Remember, they're not expert, nor do they pretend to be one. Ciao, ragazzi, and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio and other stuff, told like it is. I'm Frank Crivello, and with me is Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. Uh, what a crazy weekend and re- really crazy month has been lately. Um, how are you? I'm. Uh, I'm here. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, are you quarantined yet? Am I? I don't know if I am. I'm getting there. No, you know, I don't know. Wisconsin doesn't have a whole lot of cases right now. Yeah. I don't know how it is over there in D.C. My um, county just got hit with it, so. Okay, so so we'll see what happens. It's, uh, you know, it's definitely interesting. It's definitely frightening, um, you know, but uh, games went on in Serie A behind closed doors. They made up the six games that were postponed from the previous week, um, and uh just overall feeling, um, at one word, weird. It's, it is very weird watching these games uh, with no fans in the crowd and uh, being able to hear all the players and, like, yelling at each other. And stuff. That was the cool part. But other than that, I mean, I, it's really eerie to watch, and I don't like it. Yep, yep. I was just, uh, you know, trying to – I guess <laughs> what, I, what amused me was that everybody had a PA announcer still. Like, that was important. Yeah. And they had, you know, certain places had music after goals were scored and, uh, you know, still trying to like have the fanfare as if people were actually there. The only people that were there were like backroom staff, owners and stuff like that. It's just like, my God, come on. We did, none of that was necessary. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, they, they would, I, I guess they got to justify people having their jobs, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so six, the the six games that were postponed from match week twenty six from last weekend were played this week, and then um, going forward, uh, who the hell knows? Richard, why don't you brief us on the latest uh, Serie A players union threatening to strike, uh, emergency meetings? Just uh, give everybody a rundown of what the latest is, and you know by the time we actually release release this podcast, um, you know something else will change. So, but at least as of Sunday night, what are we looking at at this point? Yeah, this is actually first brought to my attention uh, by uh, General Club of Toronto. So thank you, folks, for uh, bringing this to my attention right away. Uh, the Players Association apparently was uh, trying to strike and, and trying to be on the same side as the Prime Minister of Italy and uh, I think FIGC in, in, in suspending all the games. Um, Lega Serie A pushed back, uh, kept pushing back on that. Obviously, we saw the, the, the mess that happened in Parma Spall. That was the first game today. Um, so, yeah, uh, basically what it is is that majority of people – uh, in and around the league, want this want the league suspended for the for the duration, or at least for for the short term. And Lega Serie A is against that, and they're trying to play behind closed doors. So there's a big pushback. And I guess this Tuesday coming up, there's going to be a an emergency discussion to further those discussions, see if it's going to be any suspensions or not. But as of right now, um, Lega Serie A is, is voting for uh, playing behind closed doors for the next month, so and through April 3rd. So we'll see what's going to happen. Um, as we know, on the peninsula. 
the prime minister came out and said it's 16 million people have been quarantined in their homes. So pretty much all of northern Italy, um, you know, the Milan district is shut down, Turin, Venice, all this, all the all the northern areas are shut down right now. And I mean, that's a quarter of the population. And so why why are we still playing games? That's that's the main question they're asking. So I, I I'm totally agreeing with them. I mean, it doesn't make sense of what we're doing right now. And um, I'm curious what your thoughts are on all this matter. I mean, I, I said it uh, earlier on Twitter. I said uh, I'm I'm selfishly happy to see a game on my TV screen when I was watching the Milan Genoa game. But at the same time, it's like it doesn't feel weird to be wa- it doesn't feel right to be watching this, and it feels kind of weird to be watching this, uh, you know, without you know fans in the you know in the stadium, um, you know, without your typical atmosphere that you get from a Serie A match. So you know, on the one end, it was nice to see. I think part of it was because you're you know resigned to, you know, if you want to get your uh, football fill in, you, you got to watch some of these other leagues. And I just watched Premier League and participated in a DraftKings contest on Saturday where the games, you know, the five games at 9 a.m. my time produced a grand total of four goals. Um, you know, so it's it just like you, top five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't even do a top five out of that out of that cluster. But, you know, Chelsea more than made up for it today. Uh, but anyway, Chelsea scored as many goals today than as as those five games had total had goals altogether. That that's kind of how garbage the Premier League is right now. <laughs> but anyway, you know you're you're relegated to those things. You're stuck with those things, you know. And I got rid of being sports, so I don't have the Spanish league. So I'm or you know or the French league. So I'm you know I'm between uh, Premier League, Bundesliga, and maybe a little bit of MLS. Uh, you know, if the mood strikes me to watch it. So you know, so it was you know I was selfishly happy to be to see Serie A, but as the game was going, it's like, God, this doesn't feel right. So, yeah. you know, I love, you know, personally, I would love to see the games continue to play just to feed my Calcio fix. But at the same time, I would also understand if, and, and, and would be supportive of uh, a suspension of play. So yeah. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how I'm, I'm phrasing it. I don't want to sound like a bad guy. I don't want to sound like this jerk. That's like, no, give me my Calcio every week, hook it to my veins. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say, look, I want to watch it. Okay. Um, but I also will support if they decide they want to suspend play. So, and I think that that's, I think everybody's in that same boat. And I think the rest of the world is pretty much watching what Italy are doing in terms of this, you know, sporting play, because, you know, here in the U.S., I'm curious what U.S., the big professional sports are going to do, uh, once this really starts, uh, getting ramped up here in the U.S. And I was, uh, I went to the DC United game this weekend, wondering what the crowds would be like. And it was still good crowds there, so... Um, th- things are still quiet here. Not nothing like what's going on in Italy, which it's hard to imagine, honestly, at this point. Yeah, for sure. And you know, you just uh, you you continue to um, you continue to pray for those that are affected uh, by this virus. Um, Hundred thirty three you know, more deaths today alone. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. You know, and that the ones that are surviving at the moment that they that they can get the appropriate treatment um, uh, and and are able to. Uh, you know, live a healthy life, uh, you know, going forward. But uh, it's some pretty scary stuff. Uh, there's no doubt about it. So, um, you know, you just, uh, you know, on the one end and at the other, you know, on the one end, you, you know, you're, you're, you're knee deep in it. On the other end, sport is supposed to give you some sort of escape, some sort of refuge. And I think Matteo Benetti alluded to that to an extent here in a tweet uh, I thought I just saw about an hour ago or so, you know, that that might totally be gone away. It, 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 you know, and uh, you've got others that are saying, gosh, I'm just I'm on the fence. I don't feel like I should be watching. You know, it 
players are saying the same thing. Players are like, why are we playing when there's people in the hospitals and a serious issue going on in our country and we're, we're forced to play these games we don't necessarily want to play. But it's a good, yeah. it's a good way to escape it as well. So it's, it's, yeah, it's very hard. Yeah, indeed. And, you know, it's just it's one of those it's it's just a slippery slope if you decide that the game should continue to go on because you're just going to have that population of people who are going to be uh, disappointed with with that decision. You know, you're going to have the people that want their calcio. They'd be disappointed that the game's just suspended. But, you know, I'm, I'm one of those that, like I said, I mean, I'll I'll uh, be on board with whatever they decide to do. And if that means suspending the season because they just they have more pressing matters then do it. So just um, pick something for all know. of us and, and don't flip flop back and forth. That's what's pissing us off more than anything. Right. I right. I think it's just kind of changing. And I think it goes along with what I said last week. I said, where's the, you know, where's the precedent with how to govern this? I mean, it's just kind of, yeah. it's so fluid for them right now that, you know, I mean, they, they trip over themselves in the process. And I think some of it is, is that, you know, we expect them to, because there's other social issues where they've just completely, completely shot themselves. And, you know, now they're, they're trying to address this and they're trying to keep everybody happy. Um, you can argue that they're trying to keep Agnelli happy first and then everybody else after that, um, that that's been floated around, but, uh, you know, whether or not that's, whether or not that's actually true remains to be seen, uh, cause they went ahead and made Juve play behind closed doors anyway. So, um, you know, so there's. I think Agnelli is using this as a uh, lightning rod for Juventus because he's been bringing up other issues throughout this week um, amid all this controversy. I was like, where is this coming from? I mean, I know where it's coming from, but he's just trying to get Juventus in the news any way possible, it seems like. Yeah, and his comments about Atalanta were bullshit, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That was just, that was unfortunate, and that was that was inappropriate. Atalanta earned their way into the Champions League. They earned their way to the place that they're in. You don't have to be traditional to be in the Champions League. You just have to be damn good in the present and qualify for it. Yeah. Okay? Um you know, and maybe this is this angle toward trying to have this super league that he's trying to help put together. But, um, you know, I'm not. Uh, I, I didn't like where he was going with his comments there. I thought they were unacceptable. So, um, but in any event. So, speaking of Agnelli, why don't we talk about uh, the main event of this weekend? Juventus and Inter. Um, Inter last chance saloon really as far as contending for a Scudetto. They needed to get something out of this game to be in the discussion. A Juventus win turns this into a two-team race and would put them at the top of the table. Uh, let's look at the lineups here, Richard. Uh, for uh, Juventus, it was Chesney. Uh, back four of Cuadrado, Delict, Bonucci, and Alexandro. A midfield of Aaron Ramsey, Bentancourt, and Matuidi. And then Douglas Costa getting the nod over Dybala with Higuain as the striker and Ronaldo on the left. Um, Dybala, who had been in a little bit of decent form, surprised that he uh, started this game from the bench? I am. I honestly am. I mean, I'm not surprised that Diego Costa's on, on the field, but um, yeah, it's it's surprising when you got a player who's been pretty pretty hot at the moment um, resigned to the bench and then bringing on someone else. Um, if if Juventus were playing in Champions League this week, I'd be like, okay, that makes sense, but they're not, and so you're like, eh, I wonder what that's all about. So uh, maybe he's giving an arrest. Maybe they they don't fear Inter as much as uh, as most people do. So I don't know. But uh, having Douglas Costa in there was certainly no. Uh, no slouch for them. I mean, that's, uh, you know, you take a 1A to 1B or whatever. Douglas Costa is fantastic. When he's on his form, he's as good as anybody. So um, it really wasn't hurting Juventus, whether, whether they took had the ball in or not. You know, when I saw this, I, I looked at the dynamics of each of the players, and Higuain is the target, you know, and, and I think that we we exhausted this recently with um, the, the game against Lyon that 
the league match before, we thought Dybala as a front nine had a little bit of promise to it. But then we saw the utter failure that it was when they went to Europe with it and played Lyon in the Champions League. They just generated absolutely nothing uh, in that game. Um, you know, So going back to Higuain, where they have a reference, where they have a target to play, and then you have Ronaldo, who is going to do a lot of different things um, You know, and give Inter's defense a lot of different problems. I think that Costa made sense in the fact that you know, he's going to run at people. Yeah. He's going to unbalance people. And when you talk about how Inter are going to organize themselves a little bit, Antonio Conte is going to have this team organized and ready. Um, you know, a guy like Douglas Costa who can bring in energy, who can take people on, who can run aggressively with the ball and run at defenders and and try to unbalance them a little bit, that's where it made sense to me. And then you bring on, and then, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, and we're talking about this well after the match. Yeah. You know, Dybala comes on as that change of pace guy. Um, you know, that, you know, his introduction was just going to be imminent. So, um, but an interesting front three and, and, and a functional one for me, um, because a, a front three with, you got three guys that, that bring, you know, different characteristics and different skill sets. Oh, no doubt about it. They all kind of complement each other really. And, uh, it's, it's, it's a nice, nice change of pace by Sadi in this one. And I think, uh, it worked well in this game. You saw that the, the way that they, they um, interchange with each other, and you know Ronaldo obviously is going to have the freedom that he's going to have, and so. But I think all three def- certainly work together, and even with a complement of midfielders, uh, it certainly made a nice attacking uh, attacking group by by Sadi. Inter would counter with Andanovic back in goal, a back three of Skriniar, De Vrij, and Alessandro Bastoni. Uh, Kandreva and Young were the wingbacks with a midfield of Vecino, Brozovic, and Barella, and then Lukaku and Martinez up front. Pretty standard from Antonio Conte, wasn't it? It, it certainly was. So nothing too surprising there. The only surprising thing is seeing Bastoni in there instead of uh, maybe like a Godin or something. But um, Bastoni's been playing well lately. And so uh, we always knew Candreva and Young were going to be on the wings. And I thought actually both had fairly decent games. More so Candreva than than Young, but we'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> uh, overall, I thought uh, having five in the midfield would probably be uh, a way for su- of success for Inter uh, being able to control that midfield, um, but uh, it wasn't as uh, it didn't work to quite the way Conte wanted it, I guess. Sure. Um, no goals in the first half, uh, and uh, you know, I, I balanced in terms of the chances, uh, but Juventus having a little bit more of the ball, having a few more corners. Um, I thought. Yeah, the game was on a knife edge going into halftime. I don't know if re- either team really had an advantage. Could you pick out one team or another out of this? Because I was looking at this for the first half. Is like, I think Inter's carrying out what they want to do. I think Juve's carrying out what they want to do, and they're just they're coming to a head. And no goals have happened yet. Yeah, and I think both goalkeepers came up big. Chesney and especially Handanovic uh, both made some big saves in the first half, mm-hmm. really throughout the game. Um, Handanovic is a little bit the busier of the two, but naturally with the with the style of play that both teams want to play, he's gonna he's gonna see more shots. So um, honestly, the game could have been a lot worse um, if Handanovic was not in there. Maybe Padelli was in that. So uh, I thought it was a very very even game for the most part, despite the chances slightly in Juventus's favor. But uh, it's it's everything you'd expect in a big game like this. We would get a breakthrough in the 54th minute. Uh, Juve would uh, break this nil-nil deadlock. It would be Aaron Ramsey. Um, a little bit of a scramble in the penalty area. Christian Ronaldo gets a touch on it. It falls to Ramsey. Ramsey puts it away uh, to put Juve up by a goal to nil. What would you make of that goal? Yeah, it was interesting. It was uh, 
Alexandro played the ball in, and then uh, very eventually Matuidi got it on the end line. Uh, he crosses in the middle looking for Ronaldo. I think Bastoni made a good play to keep it off Ronaldo, but uh, Ramsey there picking up the loose ball and just pounds it home. I think off of De Vrij or something like that. Um, a very uh, chaos in front of the in front of the goal. But you know, as a as Juventus, that's kind of what you want. You want to cause that yeah. chaos in front of Handanovic, especially how good how well he was playing. Uh, you need to find a you got to find a dirty way to score a goal, and um, uh, uh, not all goals are going to be great. And you know, I think uh, Juve did what they had to do to get a goal in this kind of game. Because this kind of game, you know, you see ugly goals more than you see pretty goals. So, um, sure, very well done by Juventus. I mean, and this happened, uh, and then that's it was interesting because they had the one 0 lead, and then they went ahead and they brought DiBala on in the 59th minute anyway. Um, so. Inter countered with bringing on Erickson for Barella. Um, you know, I I really think that those first 15 minutes of the second half, Juve were beginning to get a stranglehold on the game. And Ramsey's goal ended up being the end product of that. Um, so Dybala coming in for Costa and then Erickson coming in for Barella. Uh, clearly the idea is, is Inter's got – got to get some sense of possession. we got to try to run through th- things through Erickson. You know, where, you know, Juve is going to come back and they say Dybala is going to facilitate things between the midfield and defense and then uh, Ronaldo and Higuain. Uh, and that's really what's what you're, you're going to see there. Somebody that's going to come back for the ball a little bit. Somebody that's going to be able to do some playmaking um, going the other way. Uh, you know, in this particular game, I you know, Inter just struggled in the second half for me. Um, got nothing on target in the second half. The possession was about even, but certainly Juventus were Juventus looked like they had the ball more in the second half just because they were generating more. Yeah, they, they and they and it, it certainly looked like that for sure. They're starting to insert the will. Their midfield uh, was playing very very well. I thought Bentacor looks great in this position. Ramsey's playing well for Sari uh, overall in general, and Matuidi had a, had a pretty strong game as well. So yeah, um, I thought they did a good job of counteracting whatever Inter was trying to do, and 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 for their part. Um, they started getting more, more and more shots on target, uh, more free kick opportunities, and really that's a credit to the whole team and the way they were uh, pressing into any time they had the ball. Um, not so hot take. This was Rodrigo Bentancourt's best game in a Juventus shirt. I thought he was outstanding. Yeah, he certainly was. Uh, he, he had his fingerprints all over this game, and um, I kept seeing Juventini on Twitter just posting, like, oh, see, this is why he should be a starting lineup every time. I mean, And he had that great of a game. I mean, he, his influence was all over this match. Um, he looked like the best midfielder out there uh, today, and that's 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 big talk because there's a lot of big names that were out there on that pitch for both teams. So uh, Bentancourt's really turned into uh, a, a very very strong midfielder for Juventus and for Serie A. I mean, he helped keep the ball. I mean, that's the most important part. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, he had seventy. I mean, just looking at some statistics here, and sometimes statistics are meaningless, but at a position that he plays, it's kind of huge. He had seventy-seven touches. And he had 58 accurate passes. Uh, you know, he had 90, nearly 91% of his passes were where he wanted them to go. So, um, you know, you know, some touches, I mean, and that's not all, you know, some of those touches are just, you know, first touches, preparing the ball and things like that. So not all of his touches were passes, but out of those passes, um, you know, 58 of them were accurate. So that's 58 out of, I think, like 64 or five or something like that, that for that deep lying position. And for some of the balls that he was trying to play in this game, that is really damn good. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know what else more to say about Bentancur. He just, uh, he's really found his game in Syria. It took a while just to, you know, get his footing there, but, 
I think now he he's established himself as like one of the best midfielders in the league, and um, this is only going to be helping for Sarri. You know, Sarri loves his midfielders who control the games, um, and and now having Bentancur uh, being that one of those main guys for for Juventus, I think is going to go you know bode very well for them going here in the in the near future, and, and obviously in for years to come. But for for this season in particular. Um, should it go on, <laughs> I, I think it'll serve Juventus very, very well. Yeah, for sure. And um, I, I say a lot of this about Benton Court because it is his ball uh, that gets the second goal started for Juventus that would automatically put this away, or not automatically, but ultimately put this away and help Juve to the three points. He finds Dybala on a nice long diagonal pass. Dybala brings it down, uh, links, cuts inside, links up with Aaron Ramsey, gets it back, scores with the outside of the foot. We won't have a top five this week. This is the goal of the week. Paulo Dybala yeah. with a nice little finish connecting with Aaron Ramsey, uh, outside of the left foot, tucking it in and giving Juve the three points, uh, beating Inter by two goals to nil. Um, Daniele Padelli missed being out there, so he decided to argue and get himself a red card <laughs> and get yeah. sent off from the stands. Um but other than that, it was your typical Juventus with a 2-0 lead just salting the game away. And uh, so ending Inter's uh, Scudetto hopes, in my opinion, nine back. I know they do have a game in hand. Could potentially make this a thing. Uh, but sit third, well ahead of, you know, sitting comfortably ahead of fourth at the moment. And, you know, certainly no signs of a collapse from them any, you know, at, at this point for the rest of the season that you would think. Uh, but Juventus go back to the top of the table and uh, a little bit I won't go I won't say this was full out Saudi ball because it wasn't it's still resourceful Juve uh, but there was some Saudi ball mixed in there today for the first time in as long as I can remember yeah and it's, it's about time right we've been wondering when are we going to see a little bit of uh, a hint of his magic that he can put on teams uh, show up and it took it took several months uh, the season to for it to happen but uh yeah we did see start to see sprinkles of it against uh, inter no less and uh hopefully you know for the neutral standpoint um the the style of play that sorry likes to implement on his team continues to develop in here because uh neutrals tend to love watching sorry because the, the teams that he manages play beautiful ball and we haven't seen it quite yet with juventus but maybe this is a sign that things are of things to come that uh we will see a little bit more open and expression play and 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 wonderful uh passing between uh, each of the teammates here so we'll see um it certainly has Allegra's fingerprints all over still with the resourcefulness but um yeah they're start, it's starting to slowly adapt to his style of play which is a, which is a good thing i think i think the only thing juve will be disappointed with at this point um is For the, the uh, <laughs> well that but i think uh alexander leaving the game injured yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know how serious that was. Obviously, he left the game. Uh, but your thoughts on what you saw uh, with that. And then I think you also had something that you tweeted out that you wanted to share. Well, yeah, well, at least on that, I'll double up on kind of what I tweeted out today. And it's basically, you know, I, what I said was, I know when I suck at something, I stop because it's embarrassing. And I think, and, I'm, and I said basically, when will Ronaldo realize he sucks at free kicks now and should let the experts take it like Paulo Dybala? Uh, Paulo Dybala makes way more than Ronaldo in, in, in terms of free kick goals. Let him take those kicks. You do everything else so well right now. Just 
just work on that kind of stuff and let Dybala take these free kicks. And then Dybala scored like a minute after I had I tweeted that out. So he heard me at least maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then I, I also made the comment that, you know, when they brought in the shell, you know, yeah, Sandro was injured and you hope it's not something serious. Uh, but I said, you know, Sarri has so much confidence that he's bringing in the shit, Leo, because uh, he's like, hey, Conte, you can't even beat me. I even want to have the shell you out there. So um, mm-hmm. overall, for what I saw from Juventus, I liked it. I liked it. Uh, I was wondering, I wanted to see this game to see really if, if Juve um, could withstand Inter's pressure, if Inter could uh, step up. They gripe so much about, you know, oh, they, you know, there's unfair this, unfair that with whatever. They lost, they lost the first game between these two at Inter, at San Siro. Uh, so I wanted to see Juve, if, if Inter had the Scudetto credentials, they would have to come to Juventus and win, or at least make it very, very interesting. And I thought as the game went on, Juventus started inserting them will, their will. And honestly, when that Dybala goal uh, was scored, the game was over. I mean, Juve were looking so good at that point. I didn't see any chance for for Inter uh, to get a, to get much less a goal, but a win. So um, I, I like what I saw from Juventus. They look like they're a Scudetto contender or Scudetto winner. Uh, and Inter still have a little bit of a ways to go. And we kind of thought this going into the season that. The first season under under Conte was not going to be a Scudetto one. It would be a very good one, um, and the years going forward would be, would be the the progression upwards toward for a title. Uh, Juventus are still the kings at the top, and they're getting pushed, you know, by really really well by Lazio. But uh, in terms of Juve and Inter, I think we're starting to see that separation, and Inter aren't aren't quite there on Juventus's level. Juventus is really really good. Um, despite even though we watch them sometimes and it, it looks a little lackluster, but they they can get it done when it matters. Yep, I mean, and this was probably, uh, you know, as we talked about, um, this was probably the most. This was as sorry esque as it's been for Juventus so far. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, you know, well earned three points. They're top of the table. They're a point ahead of Lazio. Um, if this season continues. It's now a two-horse race, in my opinion. I think Inter are just playing to keep that Champions League place. Um, you know, I mean, I get that they have a game in hand; it would put them six points back. But the way Juventus are playing now, um, Lazio's not letting up anytime soon. I think it's going to be really hard for Inter to get back in this. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that the top four spots are, are pretty much set. I think the top two spots are set as well. Uh, meaning, it's going to be Lazio and Juve in the top two, uh, in no particular order. Um, I think Inter are comfortably in, in Champions League spot as are Atalanta, but uh, that gap between Inter and you know the top two spots is starting to increase, and I think it's a little too much at this point of the season, uh, based on their you know the way they're playing at the moment. Uh, that there's going to be very little chance that they're going to creep back in there. You'd have to see some massive falloffs from both Juventus and and Lazio, and, and frankly, I don't see that happen by either team. Both teams are are very well oiled at the moment. So um, yeah, it looks like it's a two horse race at the moment. Yep. Let's see. Uh, let's see how that plays out. Juventus enter your comments at Serie A sit down or Instagram. Uh, Richard is going to batch the rest of it for us. Well, uh, things started out with fireworks uh, in the first game. Parma hosting Spal. Uh, players sitting in the tunnel, getting ready to come out, and then they were told to go back into your locker rooms. A couple players already on the benches. They were told to go back into the locker rooms because. Um, Italy, the Prime Minister of Italy, you know, basically came out and said, hey, you need to send everyone back. The game is canceled. Uh, it's too dangerous with the coronavirus stuff going on. Uh, and then 75 minutes later, the teams came back out. Lega Serie A, you know, kept fighting to have the game played. 
Uh, it was delayed, like I said, 75 minutes, and so they finally did play. Uh, this game wasn't uh, it wasn't that entertaining in terms of goals. Uh, Parma was had the better of the play for majority of the game. Uh, Spal had some chances here and there, but it wasn't until the 70th minute when uh, a penalty in the box. Uh, Bruno Alves decides to kick uh, kick a spot kick a spot player. Uh, that meant a penalty, and of course, uh, the big man would uh, take the penalty. Patania, he scored a goal, pies all around for the empty stadium. Uh, Spal win one nothing on the road. Big yeah, who three gets points for them? Who gets the pies then? He does. <laughs> <laughs> They're all for him. They're all for him. <laughs> uh, Can you just picture him right now? It's like there's like a table full of pies, and he's just gonna pull the tablecloth with his mouth wide open, right? With these. <laughs> It's just kind of. It's almost like he's like creating a conveyor belt for himself. I think that scene from uh, Scarface where you know he has the cocaine all over his face. I feel that with the, the pie all over his face, all over the table. Oh God! <laughs> or oh, he's got that mountain of cocaine on his desk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when you know. Isn't that when you know you have a problem? Shouldn't you realize you have a problem at that point? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Big three points for Spa, but I don't know if that's going to help him in the season. Uh, moving on to the next game. Um, we had uh, here, this is the, the the Calcio cluster, if you will. Uh, Milan hosting uh, Genoa in this one. Uh, at, Calcio, Calcio cluster. It was two games. That's what <laughs> shouldn't we got. It have, to be at least, shouldn't have to be at least three games to be a cluster or multi Calcio. I guess. I guess. <laughs> well, we say it's like uh, like uh, duo duo Calcio or something like Dewey that. Duo Calcio. Or, uh, there you go. Yeah. Cal- yeah. <laughs> uh, Milan hosted Genoa in this one. Uh, Genoa will get this, uh, the goal-scoring starter early. Goran Pandev with the backdoor tap-in uh, made a one nothing early. Wait, 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 wait. 75-year-old Goran Pandev. How long have we been doing this? 75-year-old Goran Pandev. That's right. <laughs> I know what happened against I know what happened against us. It happened against our team, but you still got to do it. <laughs> so. 75-year-old Goran Pandev scores somehow, some way, uh, past uh, Gigi Donnarumma. Backdoor left unmarked. Uh, uh, one nothing early in the game there, and then uh, Casata would double the lead in the 41st. Uh, two nothing. Uh, Milan playing very poor defensively at this point. Two nothing going to the break. Coming out of the break, second half, Ibrahimovic would put, peg one back for the uh, Rossoneri, uh, but it would not be enough. Uh, Genoa a surprise, big three point victory at Milan helps them in the relegation fight. Uh, speaking of relegation fight, Sampdoria hosting Hellas Veronas. Uh, the goal scoring started early in the 32nd minute. Um, initially, it was Akanyi with the goal, but it looks like uh, they're giving the goal own goal to Audero. Uh, I'm still going to give it to, to Zakanyi. I think he was the right. He perfectly placed in the back door to tap it in. Uh, so one nothing there going into halftime. Uh, looked like Hellas was going to be Hellas and you know be stingy defensively, but uh, old man Fabio Qualerella, uh he scored in the 77th minute to tie it up one one, uh, and then he would get a penalty opportunity in the 80, 86th minute, scoring that goal, making it two one. Another big three points for. For the Genovese squad, Sampdoria, 2-1 victors over Hellas Verona. Uh, and then uh, two teams, I'll just say, who give us this result often, I feel like. Udinese hosting Fiorentina. Uh, two teams are very, they're pretty identical, honestly. Two talented teams who have just been underperforming uh, for the last several, several years, honestly. Uh, traded shots back and forth. Um, Fiorentina probably had the better opportunity in this game, but the game would end 0-0. No goals in this one uh, overall. I think it was, what, seven, eight, nine goals in, in, in the weekend, so not many goals to choose from. Um, where do you want to start with? I mean, do you want to even, even touch this Fiorentina-Udinese game? It was uh, not much going on in there. Well, I, would say, I would say it was a homecoming for Beppe Yakini, but he has like 15 or 16 different homecomings. Yeah, so which one do you he? choose, right? 
<laughs> yeah. So, and that's all I got out of that game. Um, all right. Um, let's see here. Sampdoria, Hellas. But I mean, that's a, just a huge win for Sampdoria to come back and win. Uh, and uh, Qualiarella getting the two goals. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think that um, th- they were desperate. If they didn't get it here, it was going to be, you know, it was going to be an issue. And it was a, a Hellas been on a team that you expect if they open the game with a, you know, with a lead, they're usually getting something out of it. That's just how it's been for them this season. So, um, you know, so that was uh, that was interesting, uh, you know, to say the least. And then a great job by Sampdoria to bounce back. It was uh, quite early with the equalizer, and then they went to VAR for the penalty, which they got right. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and uh, Davidovich with the uh, with the elbow uh, for the penalty, and then uh, Qualiarella uh, getting the uh, penalty to win the game. You know, and then the Milan game, it's just, um, you know, welcome to uh, welcome to Milan in, the, in March <laughs> on, the way, on the way out. Yeah. They, lo- they lose to teams they're supposed to beat. Michael Lisa uh, talked about this not too long ago. Yep. They, he did. Indeed he did. And, uh, you know, I'm going to give a lot of credit to Mattia Pannon. And Mattia Pannon in particular is going to be my winner this week because I think he had two very important saves in the first half of this game to help preserve this for Genoa. You know, he had um, the uh, the save on Ibrahimovic, the header. Yeah. Uh, and then he had the point-blank save on Chalhanolu after the 1-2 between him and Ibra. Um, yeah. You know, so Milan carved out some good chances here. It was just the – Genoa knew where to attack, you know, when they countered. And it was crosses. And it was finding, you know, making that run to that back six where – you have the combination of Gabia and Conti, two young and experienced players, where there's going to be some confusion and there's going to be some disconnect, and that's exactly where both goals got scored, right in between those two players. Um, you know, so I think that that obviously negatively impacted, um, negatively impacted uh, Milan, and it had them having to ha- having to recover. Um, you know, when you take a look at it, uh, you know, one nil down. Either Ibra's chance or, or Chalinolu's chance, either of those go in. Uh, this is a you know it's one one, and you would give Milan every chance in the world uh, to go on and win the game and get three points. That's how that's how difficult it is to win matches in Serie A sometimes. Um, you know, so in some senses, I've got to credit Padian. Uh, I've got to shame Milan's defense though for for being as irresponsible as they were defensively. You know, Andrea Conti in particular on the Goran Pandev goal. Where else is that cross going to go? Yeah. And what? Why are you standing? Why? Who are you worried about from a difficult angle? You've got to tuck in, and you've got to get a body in front of Pandev. If Gabi is pinching over to help Romagnoli, that's just simple passing each other on. And and maybe there was a lack of communication. Maybe it's Gabi's inexperience. We're not saying Conti, hey, get over here, pick this guy up. But when there's crossing situations, that's where you've got to look for those runs in the box, and you've got to pick people up. Okay, and that's where the zonal stuff has to stop, and you just shift to picking people up and picking up the the, the runs in the box because too many times defenses still stay zonal and all those runs in the box that you see in those crossing situations are meant to attack those spaces that are going to be open and the two Genoa goals right in between Gabia and Conti so yeah and I think I think Teo Teo is another player a uh, young player who, who plays really fantastic at times. Uh, I think in that first goal, he really got burned on the on the on the left hand side. And I don't remember who it was, if it was Romero, or who it was, but uh, they totally burned him leading up to the the goal. 
Um, so he's, he's going to do better as well. But, yeah, I think I agree with you with uh, Conti and, and, and Gabi are really uh, being the, uh, the fall boys in this one. Yep. So, you know, and it's, a, it's a, the only redeeming thing for Milan in this is that, you know, everybody else that was playing this week that they were fighting with to try to catch Napoli for six, they lost to Verona and Parma. Yeah. So, you know, and Bologna had already played the week before and they lost. So, you know, so they're still as they were crap and they're still seventh. So this is this is such a big weekend for the two Genovese clubs. Uh you know, if the season for some reason it gets suspended and, and ended, you know, come this Tuesday, you know, those two wins by both those clubs, Sampdoria and Genoa, is huge for them. Yeah. And, and Mattia Perrin in particular be the sole reason why Genoa does not get relegated because plays like he did today, making big save after big save. Uh, is why they have so many points uh, in, in the second half of the season. He's been he's been a godsend, but for them, yeah, indeed, I've I've, I've got no uh, no fight with that. The two Genovese clubs, you know, huge huge wins for them. Uh, you know, to get out of this and drop Lecce back into the bottom three. And I made this comment last week that if this goes on, you know, if this league goes on, that Lecce Spalbrescia team sitting at the bottom three right now, are the three that are going to go down. I think Lecce had their burst. I think you know over the space of these next twelve games, if we have them. Um, they're going to be figured out. So it's uh, it's just uh, a matter of time before you know they're going to work their way back into the bottom three, and they're already there. So yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that Genoa and Sampdoria are two teams that are going to just continue to get traction and continue to get separation. You know, Torino and Udinese are other teams that have to probably worry about their position. Should things continue, but they're talented enough to stay out of it, and I would just say Lecce is the team that goes down out of those teams. So, Spall and Brescia are already out, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. So, so that's uh, that's where we're at. Uh, pretty brief. I think we have uh, Sassuolo and Brescia playing uh, behind closed doors on, um, and that is at the Mape. So. Right. Very nice. That means uh, tub thumping without the crowd, so we're going to get to hear that. <laughs> hopefully. We'd think. you think. so. You'd think with that team, yeah. Right. So uh, so hopefully that'll happen. Um, but in any event, uh, very, uh, very energetic week. Um, you know, at least on the pitch, some results that kind of shaped things a little bit. Energetic on and off the pitch, I should say. Uh, you know, do we do this? Do we not do this? We do You know, just kind of guys are just kind of chasing their tails right now. But uh, nonetheless, we had some calcio this week, so we got a chance to talk about it and got a chance to watch it, whether it's right or right or wrong to to have going on. Uh, so, you know, uh, winners and losers. I mean, my loser clearly is going to be uh, the Milan clubs. Uh, Milan for for losing a, a home match to Genoa that. You know, they're getting back into that late season swoon where they're going to drop games to teams that they should be beating. Inter for this is it for their title challenge. Um, had to get something at the J, and I think that this ultimately ends that uh, yeah. any any effort that they had toward uh, um, winning a Scudetto. So they're my losers. I already said Mattia Perrin's the winner. Um, you know, Good for job. his yeah. for his performance and goal against Milan. I mean, he he had three saves, but they were all big time saves. Yeah, big reason why they won. So, yep. uh, my my uh, winners of the week. Uh, I'm not gonna. Well, it's kind of the same breath in, in terms of Perrine, but I'm gonna say both Genovese clubs getting big three points. You know, if the season ends, uh, you know, this week they're gonna be uh, 
going we're going to stay in Serie A next season. So you know, huge three points for both of them in this relegation fight. So they're my winners, both of these, both the clubs. Uh, and then my loser, I'm going to still say you know, uh, Lega Serie A and 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 the, the whole FIGC situation because they're they're going back and forth and they can't decide. And it's a very tough situation, no doubt about it. But I mean, it's just that mess that happened at the Parma Spa game alone is enough to give them a loser week for me. So uh, that's my loser. Okay. And then uh, we should probably make uh, make an honorable mention as far as winner of the week. Cristiano Ronaldo, um, Say, I mean, you either love him or you hate him, but to play a thousand professional matches, yeah, oh, uh, yeah. to have that kind of longevity is just incredible. Um, you know, and uh, my congratulations to him. Um, I still say cut that whatever that is in the back did of your hair. Did you see what he did before the game? It was actually really funny. He came out of the bus and he was, he was uh, shaking hands with, with uh, the invisible people that were there in, in the tunnel waiting for him. That was kind of funny, actually, I thought about him. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's the other thing. They they weren't allowed to shake hands after the game. Adam Digby made a nice point on Twitter saying they can't shake hands after the game, but they're all tackling each other. Players are hugging each other after they score. So it was just, yeah. And this, God, yeah, this is what I don't get. Bizarre. They said you can't shake hands, but – it, the coronavirus if you're within six feet of someone you're going to catch it so what's the point right right indeed precaution i guess i don't know i don't know yep oh mercy so that's uh you know congratulations cristiano a thousand matches that's nothing to sneeze at that's that's yeah, uh bravo, that's the example bravo, bravo, bravo. of longevity that's doing what you can to physically take care of yourself and have yourself physically and mentally prepared uh you know to have that kind of career longevity it's not a lot of people do it so you know, uh, congratulations to CR7 on achieving yet another milestone. So uh, that was our wrap on Serie A for the week. Uh, let's move on to listener questions. There are a lot of them. Okay, Richard, I opened it up to questions and seeing the, seeing the brevity of this, uh, this oh match my. week. Yeah. I told them I said, okay, Calcio or non-Calcio, so uh, so where do we start? Uh, let's see, let's start with Milan Weekly Podcast, uh, our friends up there up north. Uh, their question was, how terrible is the fact that not only the game was lifeless due to the empty stadium, but then add to the fact that Milan was down 0-2 to a terrible Genoa team, then the image circling around Twitter of Gazidis in the stands alone. Did Milan need this today? And obviously they were talking about yeah, the the whole thing with Gazidis is uh, Boban got fired and there's you know, there's rumors that Maldini's gonna be fired here soon, um, and so there's a lot of turmoil going in the back backroom staff. But the team on the pitch is also not performing well, and so um, what, what do you think? Did Milan need this today? No, they didn't need any of this. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> I mean, I know that I get that they had to perform, but I don't think we needed to see the. I mean, you know what? It's just it, it, Milan has turned into and it's so it, it's so sad but Milan has truly turned into the quintessential bigger dick contest and <laughs> yeah, between Gazidis between Maldini and you know Boban's out of there now and I don't want to you know we're, I'm not talking about the size of it. I'm not getting into that and talking talking about it. <laughs> they're all trying to figure out who's the man yeah you know and who's whose ideas are going to bear weight and all this other stuff and it's just and and that does – I mean, if, if you're a player, yeah, sure. Because does the new guy have plans for you? You know, so you got to go – you got to deal with all of that. Um, you know, do you just continue to carry on and do your job and hope that you're worth it to somebody else? Um, I mean, there's a whole lot of moving parts to this right now. It's just very, very weird for me. And, um, 
you know, for this to be, you know, it, it was, it was lifeless because of the empty stadium. Um, we talked about this and I'm Steve and Vinny that this is a Genoa team that took advantage of where Milan were going to be weak. And that was the space between Conti and Gabbia. And they, the two times they attacked it, they scored both times. Um, so, you know, that's, that's another thing that has to do with it. Um, you know, and then, the, and then, the, yeah, the whole Gazidis thing. It's just like here, you, you look at Gazidis with no friends now after Boban leaving. It's kind of, kind of the vibe that I got from those pictures. So it would have been a nice distraction had the team performed well and played, you know, you know, and won today. But uh, the fact that they play so lifeless in a lifeless stadium uh, didn't add, didn't help anything whatsoever. I, I agree with you. It's just uh, uh, shit, a pile on top of shit, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. For sure. <laughs> For sure. So, no, great question, boys. And, uh, you know, when are you going to get Richard and I back on your podcast? That's what I want to know. That's my question to you guys. hey right back uh, at you. So, I've been, been waiting. I keep telling Presidente. And I, they didn't even read my question last week. Did you see that? I didn't I didn't see that or hear that. I, I, watched, them on, I watched the thing on YouTube. I try to be loyal. I try to be good. I try to give them some love. I, I talked about, hey, how about you have Vinny reminisce? There's not a lot of games. Have Vinny reminisce about all the times Maldini played right back. Remember, they're not expert, nor they, they pretend to be one. Well, sure, but... You know, <laughs> and there's Melanisi all around the world. So, Frank, there are a lot of people asking questions. They're trying to get to you one by one. They'll get to you. Yeah, okay, patience, okay. patience. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, but no, I just and I told Presidente. I said, "What's going on?" He said, "You have to do this." Ha-, he told Presidente told me you got to do this hashtag and and all of this other stuff. And I, so right, right. <laughs> hashtag of any Steve. Presidente doesn't even know. So, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> We love those guys. Um, uh, yes, all right, I'm going to read a question here. It's from Alex Dono. What should my hard liquor of choice tonight? What <laughs> should be my hard liquor of choice tonight to wash away my inter shame? <laughs> Michael Easy appropriately replied, Crockett, uh, the Milan tears. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, or or sprinkling them in beer instead of that. Um, Alex, okay. All kidding aside. Um, Go to a liquor store that uh, has a very good bourbon selection. Uh, for fifty dollars, you can get yourself a bottle of Noah's Mill. Um, it is a, it is a, it is, it's a delicious bourbon. It's very smooth. It's also 114 proof. You don't need a lot of it. <laughs> so, um, have some of that ever clear or yep. Richard says ever boy, you're, you're, you're hard. He's an interview. I, I have to help him out. <laughs> ever, ever clear. Christ. Everclear, good God! What are you like? What are you like? <laughs> I didn't say you, I was you come off as this, I didn't you, come say I was this you come off as this happy, laugh at everything guy, and then you're gonna. I, I bet when you drink Everclear, there's a dark side to you. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> did, did you hear Ibra yelling at Benacer today? That's like me. I told you. I, I tweeted it. I tweeted it. I tweeted it because it was in English. He said it to him in English. You could read his lips. He said, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> and you can hear it on TV too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh. That was right, awesome. Cool. No, give, with, go Al, hang on a second. Alex, give Noah's Mill a shot. Uh, great bourbon, 114 proof. It's it's my – I had a really bad day bourbon. Uh, I, I, it's, it's one of 12 that I have in my collection right now. <laughs> yeah, I have a problem. But no, I don't have a problem. I have a hobby. Maybe. It's not – I don't drink a lot of it. So – but anyway uh, – What's, your, what, what's the next question? Well, I was going to say, continue on this question. Uh, a couple people commented, John Lamorta copied, uh, uh, commented, Grappa, of course. Uh, Sasha yeah. commented, weed, no comment. Um, <laughs> uh, Michael Lisi says, uh, what's your favorite beer, donut flavor, and also pizza toppings? Beer, Corona. 
<laughs> oh, no, that's that's soon. wrong. That's wrong. Um, oh gosh, beer. I like Dogfish Head. You like you know what? Minute. That's available. Um, Dogfish. It's is Dogfish Head at the brewery, and it's called Sixty Minute. Uh yeah yeah the it's dogfish is the is the brewery and sixty minutes the um the the flavor or whatever you want to call it I think they have that in certain places I can I could probably get it here so um here twenty if you're hungry for it. oh man that'll get you drunk what's that if you, get, you try this there's sixty minute there's ninety minute and hundred twenty hundred twenty you get there's four comes in a four pack and that'll get you really drunk with just the four beers I mean it's really strong. So, are you trying to tell me I should take the the four pack of hundred and twenty challenge? Is that is 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 there a challenge like that or? or? Well, if you're gonna watch another Milan game, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, beer for me. Gosh, it really depends on the occasion. Um, I mean, I've all. I mean, my birthday's on St. Patrick's Day, so naturally Guinness is one of my favorites. So, okay. Okay. Um, but um, you know, lately. It, it, you know, I, I, I change it up all the time. You know, uh, I, I think if there's an absolute favorite of mine that I like, you know, it's flavorful and can enjoy it. It's a good drinking beer. It's only sold in Wisconsin, and I've talked about it before, Spotted Cow uh, from the New Glarus uh, right, right. Brewing Company. They only sell in Wisconsin. So, um, you know, if I ever come out and visit you in D.C., I will smuggle a case to you. Or Perfect. If I visit any of you people out there, I will, I will try and smuggle a case uh, so, that, uh, so that you can try something that you can't have and, and you'll enjoy it. So I, I would say Spotted Cow's up there, Guinness. Um, and then uh, another one that probably people will recognize, uh, uh, Oberon from uh, Bell's Mill. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, like, yeah, yeah. I like that a lot. So I would say those are my, those are my three. Uh, donut flavor? Um, chocolate frosted. Come on. Uh, yeah, chocolate frosted. Right? Chocolate frosted cake uh, from Dunkin' Donuts oh, is, the one, okay. is, is, is my go-to. Um, I just I, – I like – I feel like the, the cake donut is a little more filling. So um, make of that what you will. So, <laughs> But the, the chocolate frosted itself is just fine too. So there, there, there's no – you know, there's no debate. You can go, you can go either way on that one. Um, but I like, uh, you know, chocolate frosted, chocolate frosted cake, depending on, uh, depending on where you're going. There's no, no question about that. Uh, pizza toppings. Um, I'm a simple one topping guy. I, you know, sausage or pepperoni, uh, yep. Yep. sometimes pepperoni. both meat lovers. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I believe that, uh, the top you get sauce, you got cheese and then it should just be protein. Um, I'm not go. a, you know, don't, nothing from a garden should be on there. Um, we're going to have another question here here shortly that we'll answer, yeah. but we'll just uh, we'll tease them for now, uh, you know, and leave it at that. So uh, I made, you know, you know, the rest of it's the rest of it's protein. And I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed to a good buffalo chicken pizza. You know, if you want to do like kind of a buffalo sauce in place of the sauce, I'm not opposed to breaking, breaking has a rank. good one like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not opposed to breaking rank and doing that. You know, there's there's other kinds that I just won't do. But but that one's OK. So, well, what should is, we get to the comment about the other topping? Um, uh, let's let's tease. Let's 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 okay. uh, let's 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 uh, let's keep uh, let's keep people in suspense. Okay. All right. So, um, let's get to. Yeah, you read that one. All right. So, Sabrina, uh, if the league were to be can- Sabrina at Sabri t- Sabri B ten, only been only one cap with us. That's a shame. Yes, um, I agree. Yeah, Sabrina, we're going to get you back on soon. Um, if the league were to be canceled, how would you handle the Scudetto winner, UCL qualifying, UEL qualifying, and relegation? 
if they take the decision to suspend the league and end it right now, this is my opinion, Richard. The table, the way the table looks right now is how the season finishes. Um, you know, because and that is going to stink for everybody that wanted to see Juventus get dethroned, and that's you know unfortunate. But I think there are you know as we have been talking about throughout this podcast, there are bigger problems in Italy. Yeah. Um, no, Immobile would Immobile would not get the record either. That would suck. But he would yes. win Capo Caninieri, and that was my pick. So, um, you know, so there would be that. Um, Juventus would be your Scudetto winner for the ninth straight season. Lazio, Inter, and Atalanta are going to the Champions League. Now, there are teams with games in hand, but when you go down and you take a look at it, having that game in hand and, and getting three points would have no bearing on how the table looks now. Um, you know, so that's an important thing for everybody to consider. Uh, so Juventus win it. Lazio, Inter, and Atalanta in the Champions League. Roma and Napoli to the Europa League. And then Lecce, Spal, and Brescia get relegated. Now, as far as the relegation part of it, if they really want to get squirrely and they think in a couple of months things will get a little bit better, if they want to figure out some kind of playoff between the bottom three in Serie A and the top three in Serie B, I'm not terribly opposed to that. Okay. okay. Um, I would not be terribly opposed to that for, okay, you know, everybody's seasons were shortened, but you guys have to fight for whether or not you get promoted or relegated. So that I would be. Um, that I would be okay with. So you would have the, you know, third place team in Serie B would play Lecce. The second place team in Serie B would play Spall, and then the top team in Serie B, I believe it's Inzaghi's Benevento, um, would play yeah. Brescia. Yeah. So, um, you know, so that's where that's where I would go uh, as far as the relegation discussion. Uh, but the rest of it, I mean, no, you know, nobody has a game in hand where winning that game in hand would change the standings. So, you know. The way the table looks at the top is the way the table would finish if they decided to suspend the league for the rest of the season. I mean, and they're nearly two thirds of the way through the season, Richard, or, or over two thirds, depending on how you divide it up. Yeah, yeah. So enough games have been played. It's not like they played five games and say, all right, this team wins the title. So, you know, uh, if, if they've got to go to that measure and take care of some bigger priorities, I'm not opposed to that. Yeah, uh, I think I'm exactly on board with you exactly that. Um, I think the top, you know, six, seven teams or six teams all deserve to be where they are. They're at. I think those are the, are the best teams in the league this year. Uh, as much as I agree with Salim, who who commented on, on Sabrina's question, that the team with the most Champions League titles qualifies for Champions League, who would be Milan? I would love to see that. I don't think they deserve to be, honestly. I think uh, Atalanta for sure need deserve it. Enter as well, Lazio and Juventus. Uh, and for European, for Europa League, Roma and Napoli are, are, are certainly the better squads over Milan, uh, Hellas, and Parma at this point. So, um, right. yeah, I agree 100% with you. All right. So, so thanks, Sabrina. And uh, yeah, we we need to get you we need to get you on soon. So I think the next one is from was it the next one from uh, Michael Lisi, which is kind of tied in with. Uh, coronavirus and travel and all that stuff is that what we got next yeah so michael asked what will all this mean for champions league he said i haven't seen traveling in and out of italy discussed at all if you're leon do you want to travel to italy and if you're the spanish government do you want atalanta and napoli coming to spain keep up the great work thank you thank you michael he's, uh, a, he's a kiss ass he's just trying to get back he's running, he, wants, he wants that fourth cap <laughs> michael, <laughs> we, michael michael we love you thank you for the uh, thank you for the kind words you want that one yeah, um, so what would this mean? Um, honestly, I think if, if UEFA had to look at this, they, they would have to, um, especially w what the Italian government is saying now, I would say you know, you'd have to hold off those games somehow. Or I mean, unless you tested every one of the players that come from Italy uh, to make sure that they were, they were fine, 
Uh, then you have to play maybe behind closed doors. I don't know, it's, it's, it's tough. It's even tougher, you know, thinking about mixing leagues as opposed to just having, you know, just Serie A. Um, so that's a tough question. I honestly don't know what you would do. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, playing behind closed doors is at a minimum, I think. But mm-hmm. I think testing every single one of the players and staff members that come that come from uh, Napoli and Atalanta is probably the way to go if you want to still have the games. But you know, maybe postponing them and then it it it, it changes the whole realm of the Champions League games in general because you're at the knockout stages at this point. So I don't know. What do you think you would do with that? Um. Well, first of all, I mean, here's here's a few things that we know already. They they're not the Italian referees are not traveling. That's a good for, thing for everyone for, for any European games. That's first. Yeah, I mean, that's everybody's celebrating that shit. Because um, God, what did who was it that put Real Madrid through hell? Uh, was that Orsato? I think it was. Yeah, Daniele Orsato. Um, yeah, but um, there's there's that element. Um, the Valencia Atalanta game is going to be behind closed doors. I think that's smart. Uh, yeah, I think that you know the players that are traveling, teams that are traveling, personnel that are traveling should be subjected to testing. Um, if I were Leon, I wouldn't want to come. But the, and that's going to be the elephant in the room, and that's going to be something that UEFA is going to have to figure out here in the next week, aren't they? Um, yeah. You know, do do Leon first of all. Has, I say neutral site. I say and, make Juventus leave the country and make it, you know, a neutral site. And Lyon has every right to oppose going right yeah. now under the circumstances, and I wouldn't yeah. blame them. Getafe would have would have every right to oppose going to Milan, and I'm sure that they're they have to go to the San Siro on Thursday for the Europa League game, and they're probably going through their due diligence to yep. make sure, hey, is everything safe? Yep. Um, exactly. Are we going to be okay? We're not coming out of that country sick, are we? So you know. It does. It does reach beyond the peninsula at this point now uh, with this question. So, you know, uh, I, I, referees shouldn't travel to European games. Uh, that's first and foremost, and I think UEFA has got that right. Um, you know, silliness aside about how they officiate. Um, you know, Atalanta at Valencia behind closed doors makes sense. Uh, Napoli at Barcelona behind closed doors is probably going to happen. I would be surprised if it doesn't. Uh, and then I think that, you know, players and personnel that are traveling, um, are going to have to be, you know, subjected to some testing and, um, and, uh, and some, and some medical evaluation ahead of being cleared to get into the, get into those countries. Um, so, and then the Leon Juventus thing. Yeah. I mean, if I, at, at this rate, the way things are going, you know, Juve shouldn't be stunned if they're forced to play their home leg on a neutral on a neutral site. It's going to stink uh, for them. But you know, in the end, um, everybody's health is what's paramount at this point. So, uh, so that's that's where we're at with it. So I, I think that that's how I think it should be handled. That's how how it will be handled. So Brian Johnson commented that uh, Valencia is lobbying for Milan to take Atalanta's place. <laughs> <laughs> of course they are. So is all Europe. <laughs> of course they are. So uh, Nima Tavali, that's a familiar name. Hey, first time, long time. I want to ask Frank how much of his own property he destroyed during Milan Genoa. I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> yeah, I want to know too. I actually didn't. I actually didn't. You were didn't. at the bar, weren't you? <laughs> no, no, I was home. Um, I was home. I just, I, you know, like I said, I think with the weirdness of nobody in the crowd and it didn't really feel like a real game kind of thing, 
So, and then I think that compounded by, you know, Michael's comments about uh, Milan just getting into late season swoons and losing to bad teams and that sort of thing, I, I somewhat braced myself for some disappointment um, with this game. I, you know, I wanted to see him win. Uh, but no, I think, uh, you know, I, I didn't destroy any of my own property this time. Everything's intact and, you know, the insurance companies, uh, don't need to come over and, uh, file any claims. So, uh, so, so, so this time around Nemo, we're good. I hate to disappoint you, but, uh, I didn't, uh, I didn't, you know, you know, I don't, I, 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 we put our dog down back in June, so I don't have her to kick anymore either. So not, not like I was kicking her before I, I wasn't, but, um, <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so I just, uh, just let it go. It's one of those things. I always say the same thing. You know, you got, you got five minutes to maybe break a tasteful thing or two in your house after you're done, after the game's over with, and then get on with your life. So no, I, uh, no, no property damage here, Nima. I'm sorry to let you down. Did you break anything, Richard? I did not. I did not. I mean, I, you know, general scored five minutes into the game. So you, you kind of want to do that and be like, okay, it's gonna be a long game. Just let it be. It's, it is what it is at this point. You kind of know that Milan is not going to do very well. It's going to be a, a tough game no matter what, and, and it was. And uh, Yeah, nothing I'm too surprised by, I guess. Just if they started scoring own goals maybe or something, I would start breaking things. Or uh, I don't know. Nah, I'm, I'm used to this, I guess, now at this point. So um, Early in the season, certainly, certainly would have broken a lot of things. But now it's just like, oh, gosh, same old, same old. Yeah. Um, maybe, uh, maybe this would be the time to talk about that pizza topping. Yeah, where do you stand on the side of history with pineapple? Absolutely not. Doesn't belong on pizza under any circumstances whatsoever. Even if it would save somebody's life, that just can't happen. <laughs> okay? That just can't happen. That's an absolute travesty. Absolute travesty. Yeah, so. I had it once and I was like, what am I doing? I'm like, oh, yeah, no, no thank you for me. Yeah, I did it once and I felt disgusted. I, I, was, I, was, I actually went to confession. After it happened, <laughs> it took a cold shower. <laughs> yeah, it took a cold shower. Yeah, oh, trying to man. burn that from my mouth. Trying to burn that. You know, I think I even sandpapered my tongue, just trying to burn that experience from my taste buds. And yeah, I it just meats and cheeses, folks. Meat and cheeses, folks. Yeah, meats. Meat. Stick to the meats and cheeses. Don't run it through the garden, as Sebastian Maniscalco would say when he goes to the subway. <laughs> you know. Just meats and cheeses. That's all you got to do. So that's all you got to do. So, all right. So I think uh, the Calcio guys had a question for me. Um, how excited am I to join them on the pod tomorrow? I get to vent about Milan twice. So Calcio guys, listen, um, you had Richard on before me, and I understand the JV team has to go first. So <laughs> then, so now you, now you got the varsity game on Monday night. So uh, hopefully the lights are a little bit brighter and you got everything ready and, and the concessions are there and the coffee tastes a little bit better than what my brother had to drink this morning at his daughter's volleyball meet. So <laughs> hi Richard. The country boys, the country boys <laughs> bring the hard stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, I, I, I'm looking forward to it guys. I can't wait to chat a little calcio with you and yeah, uh, sh- you know, shameless plug for me. I'm going to be on the, uh, uh, on the Calcio Guys podcast, you can follow them at the Calcio Guys on Twitter. 
Yeah, that you'll you'll really enjoy. It. They're really great group of guys there, and uh, I was I was fortunate to go visit them uh, while I was in Montreal. So that they, they treated me like you know like king like a king there. So it was great. I really enjoyed it. Took me around the the campus there. So you'll have a really good time. They really know their stuff. They're you know I recommend everyone fo- go and follow them. Uh, great guys. They know they really know their stuff, and they're each different fans for a different team. So uh, makes it even better, right? They can debate all the all the big games. It's, it's really good. Good stuff. Yep. Um, so, okay, so my question for you, uh, actually, I'll save my question for you. This one's coming from SS, SS Chevalo CDT. How do you think having the weekend off will affect Roma and Atalanta in the European competitions this week? Ah, uh, yeah, Chiesa de Totti. Uh, yeah, uh, that's a good question. It can it can have both effects, right? It could be really good for them, let the, let the guys who are injured get recovered and stuff like that, but it also takes you away from the pitch time and, and the good momentum you have. I think in terms of Atalanta, it probably hurt them more than it's going to help them because they've been in such a good form lately. I mean, obviously, the last game they played, they scored seven goals. Um, when you're hot, you want to stay hot. You want to keep playing, right? And you don't want that time off because it gives you a chance to cool off a little bit. Um, Roma on the other side, though, you know, they've been up and down. Uh, they had a really good game last week. Um, so maybe you know it gives her it gives her uh, older players you know some time to to recuperate some of the guys who are injured as as well to heal up. Um, and I think that'll be good more for, it'll be more good for Roma uh, than it will Atalanta. I think Atalanta are so hot they don't want to they want to keep playing every week and having some mm-hmm. time off it just takes it away. I mean, what are your thoughts? I I think it benefits Roma more than it benefits Atalanta. To your point, when you play the way Atalanta does, you want to stay in that rhythm, you know, and you want to keep playing. You don't want to have a whole lot of time off. Roma. You have a lot of veteran players, you know, a, you know, a Kolarov, a Dzeko, um, you know, a Fazio when he's called upon to play that, you know, can benefit from the extra rest, uh, you know, and 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 recovery and, uh, you know, getting ready for the next one where the, where it's not a grind for them to, you know, where they don't have the grind of every three playing a match every three days. So I, I agree there. Um, I think that uh, Roma's it's more favorable to Roma, although they do travel to. I mean, they both travel to Spain, uh, but uh you know, Roma's starting uh, a knockout round, um, uh, round of 16, where Atalanta is just trying to finish off uh, 90 minutes after knocking, you know, after knocking Valencia around here at the San Siro. So. Since you mentioned Roma in the last question, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw another question that has Roma in it as well. So this one comes from John Lamorte. He says, how much do you think upper management turnover like Milan, Roma, etc., uh, truly does affect the team's performance and form on the pitch, or is this a common BS excuse for teams who just aren't good enough? Well, I think with his little wink emoji, I think he thinks that it's a common BS excuse that <laughs> it seems not good. It has an effect, and I, I alluded to this earlier. I mean, imagine just being a player in that dressing room and you're hearing all of this rumor about front office changes, you know, and who's going to make the personnel decisions and who's going to bring in the manager and the managers say so and all of the other stuff, and you're left there wondering, you know, is you know, am I going to, do I still have a job here? Am I still going to have a job here? Am I part of the new guy's plans next season? You know, that you got that going on in your head while you're just trying to play, you know, and you're just trying to carry out what you're good at. So, um, you know, so yeah, I think psychologically it can, it can have an effect on you, especially if you're a younger player. You know I mean? If you're a veteran player, you know, has been through the battles. I mean, it's not going to bother a guy like Ibrahimovic. It's not going to bother a guy like, Jekyll, uh or Kolarov because they're so far along in their careers now that, you know, um, I think in the case of all of them, and they're, they're all in their 30s at various ages in their 30s, I think they're all playing with house money now in their, at this stage in their career um, and are still good enough to offer something to another team. So it's like, okay, well, if, if this isn't my future, then 
I'll catch on somewhere else. Even Ibra, when he turns 39 next year, can still play. So, um, you know, considering the role that he plays, uh, you know, in a, in a system and if you can make it fit, you know, Kolarov, you know, we've talked about him functionally. He's probably not an everyday left back anymore, but he's a guy that you're going to want for set pieces and you're going to want for corners and things like that. Jekko is going to get to that point where he might not be an everyday striker for you anymore. Um, you know, so, you know, in those cases, it's different. But if you're a younger player and you're just getting some footing with the management that's in place and you're impressing them, now you've got to start all over again and impress a new manager coming in. That does have an effect if you're a younger player. And if you haven't been around the block enough like you have, you know, with a guy like Ebra, with a guy like Jacko, with a guy like Kolarov. So, um, you know, so I can certainly see I can certainly see it having an impact uh, on players that are that are younger and maybe less experienced. Yeah, um, I think I mean, I don't I don't really think it, it, it can be an excuse and it cannot be an excuse also. I mean, because we've seen, you know, with teams like Real Madrid, how it really doesn't affect their performance too much. But Bayern Munich, same thing, doesn't affect them too much. Yeah, there'd be a slight little change in their performance on the pitch. But overall, uh, the team is still still really good, and it doesn't matter who they really have there. But but to your point, Frank, um, I think uh, for the teams that are maybe aren't as good as you know as the upper echelon teams, it, it will have an effect because, like you said, they're just constantly watching to see okay what's going on here. You know, especially with like Milan, the whole backroom staff going on back. You know, Roma when they had Monchi uh, and um, and EDS, and so. Um, EDF, excuse me. Uh, it does have an effect, and you know, depending on the team, I mean. I think the upper echelon teams who are used to stuff, I guess, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, they're, they're used to high turnover, so it really doesn't bother them, you know? Mm-hmm. Teams that maybe have a little bit more consistency in terms of management um, but aren't quite there at the top level, yeah, it, it can affect them. Um, and it, as much as some people don't think it's an excuse, I think it is an excuse at, at times. And so depending on what kind of team you have, uh, whether being a lead or not. So, yeah, um, it pretty much... Uh, yeah, that's that's what I got for that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you see a lot of teams will know that a new management is coming in and they'll just check out automatically because there's there there just isn't the motivation to play for the management that's in place. Right. And that and and we've seen that happen so many times. I mean, um, it was actually uh, God, who is the who is the most recent example? Um, Fiorentina to an extent. Yeah. You know, ownership was yeah. changing hands. You know, we had there was some uncertainty. Uh, obviously, Montella comes in. Uh, you know, finishes the season, starts the season, gets sacked. Now it's Yakini, and now they're still trying to. Fiorentina might be figuring out who they're going to use, who they're going to have uh, to replace Yakini. So there's that going on. So yeah, I, I mean, mean it's, Napoli to an extent too, with the whole you know uh, De Laurentiis and, and Ancelotti situation and Signe and, and now they kind of got Gattuso and things have kind of righted themselves and are, yep. they're coming back up the table. Yep. For sure. So, you know, you, you you'll a, a dip in form can tend to happen with those kinds of things. They they do correlate. Um, you know, sometimes it just strengthens the guys in the dressing room and say, "Hey, we want to stay together, so whatever new manager's coming in, hey, you're going to have to figure out how it's going to work with all of us here." So, you also so you have that flip side. Um, you know, so just uh, you know, just a matter of where where things really really lie. So, uh, our friend Jerry Mancini uh, did chime in with the whole saga of canceling the league. It has ruined my interest of continuing to follow Serie A. Do you feel the same way? And what should the league do? Is it time to cancel the whole season? 
Uh, has my interest in, in following the league dwindled? It has not. No. Um, it's been frustrating for sure, 100% sure, because this flip-flop back and forth is really frustrating to watch and, and listen to. But I, I, the interest in the league is, is still 100% steadfast, and I'm, I'm totally committed to the league. Um, but what do I think the league should do? Honestly, at this point in the season, uh, the point uh, how bad it's getting and it doesn't seem to be lightening up at all. Like we said, how how worse it's gotten just over the last couple of days. I would not be against them suspending the rest of the season, canceling the rest of the season, and leave it as is. And as you know, being so, Juventus would win the title again, which is I'm completely fine with that because you know between Ju- Juve and Lazio is a flip of the coin at this point. And honestly, it, it, we want to. It's all about protecting people's lives at this point. That's bigger thing, bigger fish to fry, more yep. important things out there. So. I would not be against the league being uh, being canceled. So, yeah, um, you know, for me, uh, Calciopoli is always going to be the low point of Serie A in the time that I've watched it, and it didn't take away my interest in watching Serie A. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it it made me demand from the league, and it made me demand from the people who run the league. Okay, how are you going to make this better? Um, you know, I'm still I'm still behind you. I still love Milan is is my team. They play in Serie A. I will watch Serie A. I will follow Serie A. I will do a podcast about Serie A. But how are you going to make this better? So, um, you know, in this is a totally different dynamic. Um, I'm not going to allow how things are being run off the pitch direct my passion for what goes on on it. Okay, um, is probably the best way that I can put it. You know, these are guys that are paid a lot of money to make a, you know, to have to make a lot of difficult decisions right now, and everything is so fluid. Um, I largely disappointed with how they've handled it. I have said this many, many times. I want to give them a little bit of leeway only because w- when else has something like this happened? Okay. But, you know, and how else, how else are you supposed to treat this? How, are you, how else are you supposed to approach this? You know, and it, we, can sit, we can sit on our armchairs and say, well, it's exercise, you just exercise common sense. That might be easy to do. But when you're being pulled from so many different levels of interest, it might not be as easy. So, um, you know, so that's, uh, that's, where, um, that's where I fall on it. But, you know... I, it's not going to take away my interest in Serie A. Uh, as far as canceling the season, I don't want them to. But if they do it, I'll support it. You know, because it'll be the right thing to do. You know, um, you know. So that's and that's how I'm. That's how I'm treating it. I'm not flat out saying, "Hey, you should be ashamed for playing. You should be ashamed for doing this." You should be, you know, saying, "Okay, I'm happy you've got some games going here. This is a potential escape for people." And you know, and that sort of thing. I get the people that want to say, hey, they shouldn't be playing. The players saying, hey, we shouldn't be playing. I get it, and I would not – I'm not going to fight anyone about it. But if they make the de- – if they take the decision to cancel the rest of the season, we'll all we'll all move on. We'll all be fine. We'll all look forward to it coming back. No one's going to go away. Um, if you've got to take care of your people, take care of your people. So. Yeah. Well said. Was that it for the questions? Man, we got bombarded tonight. Yeah. 
Took up our whole podcast. I love it. Yeah, it's awesome stuff. Thank you, everybody, for your questions. Yes. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, any other questions? Uh, hopefully, we're going to continue to do podcasts for you. Go to Ad City. I sit down on Twitter or Instagram. Let's uh, wrap this up with a quick look at Europe. Okay, Richard, we're going to run through this real fast. Um, only one Champions League game involving a Serie A team. That is Atalanta traveling to the Mestalla, which will be an empty Mestalla by all accounts, taking on Valencia. They're yep. taking a 4-1 aggregate lead there. Um, I mean, this is uh, – there's, there's I, I, the neutral crowd – no crowd will probably end up benefiting them in the end. Um if you look at them on the road in Europe this season, it's not pretty. They did go to Shakhtar and win. Um, helped a little by a red card, which is the win. But it was the win that they needed to qualify for the last 16. You know, the other two away games are scary enough, and they're by scores that would reverse this tie. Um, 4-0 at Dinamo Zagreb, 6-1 at Manchester City. Those are scores that would be good enough to put Valencia through if they were good enough to do it. Having said that, I think that Atalanta create enough, and I think Valencia are weak enough that there's going to be goals from both teams in this game, and it's going to be awfully hard for Valencia you know, to get the result that will reverse this. I'm actually going to say this is going to be a 2-2 draw. It's going to be an entertaining game, um, but I'm going, to go for, I'm going to go for 2-2 between uh, Valencia and Atalanta, which would send Atalanta through to the quarterfinals 6-3 on aggregate. Yeah, uh, I think uh, that's a, that's a pretty good shot. I think uh, having no fans there will certainly help Atalanta. Um, I think they've I think they've played the season uh, behind closed doors already, if I'm not mistaken. But regardless, uh, Atalanta can score goals; they can create chances, which, like you said, that which is is so important. Uh, teams who struggle to to create those opportunities are ones who really struggle to to. Um, do well in these kind of atmospheres, and by atmosphere I mean being on the road in a Champions League game uh, in a very daunting stadium. Yes, there's no fans there, but it's still it's a, it's a wonderful stadium to just to put your eyes on. Yeah. Uh, so I think Atalanta be able to create some chances. Uh, they're going to have their their opportunity to score. Yeah, Valencia going to come at them in waves and try to make this a, make this a thing. But uh, yeah, two two game or even maybe three two for Valencia uh, could happen. But I think uh, Atalanta overall qualify for the next round and it'll be a great thing for not only atalanta but seria indeed um let's move on quick europa league uh sevilla is hosting roma and Mm -hmm. inter are hosting getafe um so very curious to see how this is going to get approached with uh getafe coming to one of the uh territories of 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 italy that are heavily affected by the coronavirus and how this is going to get managed. Clearly it's going to be behind closed doors. Uh, and clearly I, I would imagine UEFA have had enough time to do their homework to uh, have the protocols in place so that Katafi can be safe. We'll see what happens. Leon are going to be very, very interested observers in this too, because yeah. of the ramifications you know, if Getafe can get in and out of there without players being affected, I think Leon are be all right. I think we can do this. I think we can go there. And Juve is going to have to play behind closed doors. Just you know, as something as something to think about. I mean, a lot of this is really, really delicate, and we don't know what these people are really thinking. Um, but we've got the uh, Monchi Derby first, and let's talk about that. Sevilla hosting Roma. Um, we've got Suzo who is. Featuring for Sevilla and doing well against crap teams like, you know, he did win with Milan. Um, 
and you've got Roma making this trip here. Sevilla are just better at home. And, and the way Roma have defended lately has been very, very hard to watch. And I can't see Roma getting a result that they would take back to the Olympico that they're going to be happy with. Um, you know, Sevilla play well in this competition. They've kind of made this their trademark. They've won it, I think, two or three times. Uh, they've won it with Monchi as their sporting director. At yeah, least a couple. three in a row. Yeah, three in a row. Okay. Um, but I'm going to go with Sevilla to win this 2-0. I think that Roma's going to find this difficult. Um, and uh, I, I think that uh, Sevilla will uh, will take care of business here. I like what they have going forward. You know, it's not it's not a team that's Suzo dependent. They've got other pieces. Um, they've got some guys that can can score goals for them. They've got some good midfield p- players, including uh, Jordan uh, Escudero on the left side in, in their defense. Um, Ronnie Lopez provides some creativity for them as well. So Munir as well. Munir, hel- yeah, Munir's having a very nice season for them, especially in the Europa League. So there's some pieces here. I don't see Roma getting any- I don't see Roma getting anything here, especially with Roma's issues with traveling in Europe. Um, it's uh, it, it's set up for me for Sevilla to win this, and I'll go Sevilla to win 2-0. Yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly going to be a, a difficult fixture for them. It's a third-place team in La Liga against a fifth-place team in, in Serie A, and so uh, Sevilla are obviously having a very very good season at the moment. They're, you know, they're, they're trying to keep pace with the big boys up there in, in La Liga, so um, as you mentioned, this is a, a, their tournament, basically. Uh, they've done so well in this tournament. They do very well at home. Uh, in Seville, so uh, this is going to be very difficult for Roma. It's going to be it's a it's a difficult tie nonetheless, but especially being playing at Sevilla, uh, I'm going to say like uh, probably like a three one result for Sevilla. I think it's uh, they're probably get a, maybe a consolation goal, a nice road goal, but I think Sevilla is going to have a lot of uh, scoring opportunities in this one. They're just uh, a very good team at the moment. Okay, Inter and Getafe. Um. I think Inter's priorities change now. I mean, I think if they're not in this, you know, if they're not playing for a Scudetto, you know, assuming that the season carries on um, and assuming that it doesn't carry on, well, if they want to continue to play, now they're going to have to make this a thing. But Gattavi's having a fantastic season in La Liga. Yeah, they are. Um, They do it with a style that will frustrate you. But Inter's very rigid in how they do things too. You know, they're not going to go out and try to out – you know, beat you on style points or anything like that. It's a hardworking Antonio Conte team, and that's what they try to get by. And it's grit against grit. And when I see that, it feels it it, it really feels like odd goal incoming. Um, and I actually think Inter's going to get the odd goal. I think Atafe is going to be bothered by the potential of nobody at the game. Um, that's going to be new for them. And I think that Inter's going to figure out how to unlock them because I think that if Conte goes with his strongest team. They have better strikers than Getafe have, uh, you know, with Lukaku and with um, uh, with Martinez. That's just uh, where I. That's just what I see as far as that's concerned. You know, when you look at Getafe, um, you know, and I'm looking at what the potential. You know, they're not showing the potential lineups here, but I'll I'll look at their last game. Uh, they just came out of a nil-nil draw with Celta Vigo. They beat Mallorca 1-0. They lost 2-1 to Ajax. I mean, these are the recent results. They don't score a lot of goals, okay? Um, so 1-0, I'm going to go in Inter's favor to win this game. Um, 
you know, where where uh, Geta- where Getafe are going to be dangerous. Cucurella is a promising player um, that can either line up as a left back or can line up as a left midfielder. Damian Suarez coming forward on, as a right fullback. When they come forward, they can get involved. Um, Jorge Molina and Jaime Mata, you know, carry the load for them and going carry the load for them going forward. These are some of the names that I think that the uh, uh, Inter fans will need to familiarize themselves with as they get ready to play them on Thursday. But I would take Lukaku and Martinez to decide a game over Molina and Mata. Uh, more often than not. And I'll go with Inter winning the home leg 1-0. Yeah, Inter certainly have the better team on paper, right? Uh, they got certainly the bigger stars, uh, certainly the better strikers for sure. And and, and, and you can say, and, well, there's no no doubt about it, they got the better manager. Um, Inter's currently sit third place in Serie A, while Getafe sit in fourth. Um, both teams are have one of the best defenses in their respective leagues. So with that said, like you, like you, you said it, it's grit versus grit. Um, they're not going to be money goals in both ties in general, I think. I think um, goals are going to be hard to come by despite um, despite you know whatever form either team is in. I'm going to I'm going to say a score draw, one one. I think uh, mm-hmm. Getafe is going to surprise you, Inter. I think uh, we don't know if Inter's priorities are going to be in Europe in Europa League yet, but you know they should be in our opinion. But uh, I think Getafe, while they may be uh, David versus Goliath here. Um, I think that they're riding a, a very strong wave here the last couple of years or last year, this year in particular, you know, playing really well and they're going to use that to their advantage, I think, and make it tough for Inter. And I think 1-1. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't, that, that's where I would go next if I didn't go 1-0 to Inter, but I think Inter are going to win on Thursday. So, um, but narrowly, as I said, uh, I think also having Handanovic back and go regularly is, is very helpful yes. to their cause too. Yes. So. So those are our predictions for Europe this week. Uh, go to at City. I'll sit down on Twitter or Instagram with yours. We actually got one more question, Richard, that I'm going to read here. Uh, okay. And this comes from uh, Rafa, our good friend over there at Far From Vesuvius, uh, at Rafa Napoli 83. Uh, do you guys think the Coppa Italia semis and final should be played in August in the United States? Carry over the first leg scoreline and then have your final. Uh, it guarantees all four clubs have to come and each team will play. Could be lots of fun. I would love to see Charlie Stilotano try to broker this. Um, As an American, I would love it. <laughs> yeah, because I, I think he could figure out how Selfish. to do it. He could probably tell him, hey, bring it over here. All right. We'll have Juventus against Milan at play in New York. We'll have Napoli play against Inter, um, you know, maybe in Chicago, um, you know, as an example, and play those second legs. And then, you know, a few days later, uh, the teams that win will play each other uh, in the, you know, in the final for the Coppa Italia, and you know, pick another town, and then maybe the teams that are losing sides so that they can get another friendly game. They go and play each other. I like it. The problem is, the problem is this. I think when these guys do their preseason tour, I think they want their itinerary sorted out. So you know, whether or not they go, and you probably could do a third place final you know, in the same city. And that's probably going to be the way you make it work. Um, but I, I like the idea. It's a great idea, Rafa. Uh, what do you think, Richard? Yeah, no, like selfishly, I would love to see that, right? And maybe even see the game DC. But uh, regardless, I think that's it's too tall of a question to ask. And I, th- I don't think it's going to be possible. Um, I think if they, if they suspend the whole season, it's going to include Coppa Italia and, 
You know, maybe uh, having no winner this year and, and letting Lazio carry on for another year may be a good thing, huh? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, as much as I would think that's a great idea and I would love to see it here in the States for sure, I don't think it's going to happen. I honestly don't. And I, I, I think they're just going to just void the, void the title this year or, you know, let Lazio hold it for another year. <laughs> I don't know. Um, maybe they'll probably give it to UVA. Who knows? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, nah, yeah, I would love to see it, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yep, that would be a great. It's a great idea, but you oh, know, yeah. maybe uh, somebody give Charlie Stilotano a phone call and see if he can make this happen. So, um, I mean, they have the Super Cup in the middle of the season, like during the break or anything like that, anyway. So, yeah, you know, sure. it would give the Coppa Italia winner plenty of time and all this other stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, let's let's see if we can make that happen. That actually would be a good idea. All right, and with that, we're putting a bow on this edition of Serie Sit Down. Richard, anything to shamelessly plug? Uh, uh, no, not at this point. I'm just uh, trying to wrap my head around this whole coronavirus thing. So uh, other than that, you know, just you know, make sure you follow the podcast everywhere. You can follow it. It streams everywhere. Uh, and then, as always, you can follow me at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N on all your social media. Excellent. You can follow me at FTC underscore 21. Serie Sit Down. We have our own channel on Apple Podcasts. We have our own channel on SoundCloud. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, just about anywhere uh, podcasts can be found. You can find Serie Sit Down. Uh, follow us at Serie Sit Down on Twitter, uh, also on Instagram. Check out our Facebook page. Check out our YouTube video. Uh, we'll be uh, hopefully putting up some new content soon, or maybe not. Um, <laughs> if we don't have anything to talk about anymore, we might not. Uh, depends on what everybody decides on Tuesday now if this uh, if this meeting actually goes down. So, um, but uh, you know, everybody have faith. It's a very difficult situation. Uh, you know, it's most difficult for those who are actually infected with the virus. Let's put that into perspective. Um, we can sit here and uh, nitpick about what the legacy officials are doing uh, playing the games behind closed doors and the weirdness to it and that sort of thing. But, you know, um, if you have your health, maybe there's not a whole lot for you to nitpick about in this, you know, in these current times. So, uh, you know, so that's my, uh, that's my last take as far as that's concerned. And let's hope that we, uh, we have another uh, great podcast next week of content to talk about next week. Let's see what decisions they take. Um, Richard, anything else? No, uh, you know Joe Lewis uh, tweeted out and said that maybe Euros get canceled this year, so let the domestic leagues play out, and that would be nice. But uh, well, not the cancellation of Euros, but uh, yeah, let's see what happens. We're going to be paying attention closely to what happens on the peninsula and in Europe, so uh, we will be right there with the news as soon as we hear it. Okay, and uh, want to thank you all for uh, giving us your time and listening to us as always. Uh, appreciate your loyalty. Um, for Richard, I'm Frank. We thank you again. This is Serie A Sit Down, uh, a podcast of Calcio from World Football Index. And as always, make sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.